be honest, you weren't expecting that. Four goals, three points, some start for David Wagner in his first league game as Norwich City head coach. And for once, a slightly positive tone to the podcast, which uh, it feels like it's been ages since we've been able to do one of these. Uh, I'm Connor Southall, joined by Paddy Davitt and Samuel Seaman. This is, of course, the Pink and Podcast in association with Future Radio, picking the bones out of a 4-0 Norwich City win. Just, yeah, just, just take that in for a moment. Allow that silence to... Uh, to to be filled with joy. I mean, it's it's been a long time since we were on a podcast talking about a, a Norwich City win, let alone a win of of such great, um, well, of such great margin, I suppose, such comfort. So, so Paddy, I mean, the world does feel like a brighter place in terms of Norwich City this morning. Managerial bounce, or was or, or was there enough in that performance to make you think that this could be a sustained run now of of momentum and of form? Both, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Oh, with the caveat, and we said it during the game, how poor Preston were. So you have to benchmark it against that. Um, you know, their manager, I think he made two changes after half an hour. That was almost admission that maybe tactically they'd got it wrong or, or the players were not able to carry out what he wanted. And they didn't get a lot better for them as well. You know, they had a, a little bit of a rally, but um, could have been a lot more than four, as David Wagner alluded to after the game in his post-match. So... You know, part of me is thinking, well, let's see it and we'll we'll find out swiftly enough because the way it could pan out is Carrow Road opener in the league could be Burnley in a couple of weeks, depending on one or two other things. So um, that will be a very good test of, and by that stage, of course, they'll have been to Coventry potentially. They might have had another game in between as well, but I think that for me is is maybe more of a definitive. Yes, this is this is. Full systems, all systems go, and, and the promotion is a viable option. Still, a lot of work, even from that point. But from where they were over the festive period, uh, night and day, and um, and for all of that, about you know, Preston, yeah, let's package it against a very poor opposition on the day. But Norwich were excellent, you know. Have we seen a better performance this season? Not just result, but performance. I don't think so. Certainly some of the goals, the quality of some of the goals, the individual elements and, and the collective team elements as well. Uh, unbelievable, really. The transformation that that, that can be overseen uh, in, in a, effectively the space of a week, just over with, with an FA Cup tie in between. But uh, to go from where we were, you know, and we'll have to mention his name, Dean Smith, you know, uh, the Blackburn game, the Luton game over Christmas to what we saw under David Wagner at Preston on Saturday was, uh, uh, well, it was transformative. And it's clearly he is the catalyst because it's the same group of players. It's the same fan base. It's, dare I say, the same local media. So there's not a lot changed in terms of the elements around it, uh, other than that there's a now uh, an individual in place with, with some new coaching blood as well, who have seemingly in that very concentrated period of time just just a matter of training sessions really um found a system uh in and and got the players to play that system and they're clearly buying into it you can see the confidence coursing through the veins of a lot of those individuals now who looked bereft not all that long ago so ultimately he's the catalyst um but let's just, you know, let's just temper it that it was 90 minutes against a very, very average Preston who'd lost their three previous games at home. So, so there's clearly issues there on that side of the fence. But uh, you can only, as the cliche says, beat what's put in front of you. And, and they didn't just beat them. They dismissively put them to the side. And uh, and that bodes well because it kind of underlines what we've always felt, that, that there is a group of players. And actually the Preston boss said it, Ryan Lowe, in his post-match. He said, looking at Norwich... that. He believes and always has believed that they are a top three team in this league. And and essentially, they were underperforming. To be languishing in mid-table, coming to Preston, um, something's gone badly wrong, was what he inferred. And, and obviously, as as we, as we know, something has gone badly wrong because they had to make a change of coach. But fundamentally, we always felt there was a group of players who were good enough to be at the very top end of this division. And on the evidence, what we saw yesterday, that underlines what we all thought. But... As David himself said, you know, it's small steps, hell of a lot of hard work to do. And even in that performance, it was far from complete. There was elements of that he knows they can be better at, will be better at. Um, but as a, as a statement, as an opening statement, putting the, the FA Cup title one side, uh, he couldn't have done any more. Un- unbelievable first step on what we hope is a, a very positive journey now. And as the Snorwich fans who were there at Deepdale were singing, he's driving the bus. 
And I think you better get on board because it's going to move pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be dull, is it? And before we, we come to an actual dissection of, of what we witnessed and what was so good about the way Norwich City played, Sam, I mean, as a football club, and we saw that that lovely image at the end of the players kind of stood in a line, all of the players that were involved in the game yesterday, uh, some some of which didn't even come off the bench. David Wagner was kind of pushing them forward. Um to, to, to have that moment with the fans, it, it felt kind of like a, a moment of, of healing. It, it did feel quite significant, but purely as, as a whole football club, and I include everyone in that, it felt like a result that was really needed for, for everybody just to kind of lift the place after what we've seen so far in this championship campaign. Yeah, and it's almost at the point where we can't really remember the last time um, there was this sort of mood around the football club. I certainly can't. And I think when there was that, that's those scenes at the end of the the players going and addressing the away fans who obviously travelled a long, long way to support them. It felt almost foreign to me, and it shouldn't feel like that. And you know, I'm not, I'm not using this to hark back and criticise, but I think they really needed that reminder of why they they do this. Um, there have been times so far this season where I thought, you know, these fans are, are really, you know, you have to commend what they've done because it's been so long since they actually were rewarded for their you know, 60, 70, 80 pounds they're paying to to go and watch this team on the road. And I felt that the 970 fans who were there at Deepdale um, were finally rewarded for, for the commitment they've shown um, over the last, well, I suppose 18 months. It's been really, really difficult. So um, I was pleased for them that they managed to, to have that moment because even when, um, even when they have witnessed wins, I think they've had to perhaps falsely cling to 1-0 wins and perhaps dogged displays, um, sort of grinding through results. And this is the first time I can remember in a long while where they've actually gone to an away ground, dominated a game. And I saw somebody made a good point on Twitter yesterday that this was the first time they've actually been the better side for 90 minutes this season. Um, So I was really pleased for those fans that they were rewarded for, for their sort of hard work and commitment. Um, and obviously we, we hope that they can continue to produce in that vein because, um, you know, they've now got a, a new man who fans seem to have taken to really, really well. Um, and a, a team that seems to be absorbing his ideas really, really quickly. So as much as our worries were previously that he's going to have to implement quite a complicated tactical system with a sort of hectic championship schedule, I think yesterday showed that they can perform that at a quick rate and David Wagner can put those ideas into a play, into the players quickly. Um, and I think it, it was just a positive day all around. You look at our social media channels and how everybody's reacting to those and the clubs and it's just a, a much happier place to be in the sort of Norwich City bubble at the moment. Um, and I think that's, that's what everyone's been trying to achieve for a really long time now. And as much as this isn't the hard work finished, I think we are at a, a peak in terms of the last 18 months or so and where that fan connection is and how happy they are to be Norwich City supporters. So, um, yeah, I'm really encouraged and, you know, long may it continue. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of people and, and Paddy kind of touched on it there, um, telling people kind of, you know, just to just to temper it a bit. And I, and I get that. And, and that's probably natural. But I, I do feel like every after everything that Norwich fans have had to endure, particularly over the, the last 18 months or so, I can forgive those who are really enjoying this result and are really sort of reveling in it because they've they've had to endure some pretty difficult afternoons and some, let's be honest about it, not particularly great football at times as well. And 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 you're completely right for them to go to an away ground and 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 dominate a game for certainly 80 minutes. I thought there was a 10 minute period where Preston clawed it back slightly, but not to, not enough to really sort of. Um, swing the pendulum in in any great way but certainly for the majority of the game and who knew you could do that dominate a game for for the majority of it just just incredible um and so yeah th- those fans deserve that moment my, my personal highlight was um was the, the kieran dow's new chant which we were talking about in the car last night pad uh get dowel on it i don't know if you've uh which is which is a a version of uh a song by cool and the gang which yeah, you, uh, never mind just t- talking about it Connor. you brought it up now let's have a rend- nah. rendition well, I, do you know what? I've, I've got it in front of me here, and it says genres funk. So I'm I'm steering well away from that. That's 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 completely alien to me. But I'll, I'll let the uh, let the Norwich fans sing that because that's that's a good one. There's there's quite a few for Kieran down now, which is uh, which is good, and we'll come to speak to him in a moment. But 
uh, Paddy, I, I think it is now. And what I don't want to make this really is is a complete bashing of, of Dean Smith and what's gone before because we've done that. It's, it's kind of old ground. And uh, there were a couple of chants yesterday in, in, in deep detail about him. And I hope now that that's kind of it and, and, and that can kind of be left in, in, the, in the past to some extent. But there will naturally be some contrasting and, and comparing. So, I mean, I mean, some facts for you. Three games um, this season under Dean Smith, Norwich managed to, to to have 20 shots or more. They've done it in their first two under David Wagner in both the FA Cup and the league. I mean, it, it is quite, even in this short period of time, it, it is quite impressive what he's been able to do with this group of Norwich City players and the way that he's managed to get them to function, even though we probably all accept and everyone, players himself, but also the fans as well, probably accept that there's so much more to do as well to fully grasp what he wants them to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first step, as David himself said after the game. I mean, it always felt there was this internal struggle, like Dean Smith had the pieces of the jigsaw and was trying to ram them into the sections that they weren't actually supposed to be going into. And hence, it looked disjointed. It it didn't work fundamentally. Whereas this guy has just gone, right, we'll knit this together. And it's worked. So, I mean, Kieran Dow, we will get into him, but how inspired was it that the role he asked him to do yesterday and and the demands that he's placing on him as well. Um, and you just think, well, David Wagner has seen that. Dean Smith seemingly wasn't able to do it. You know, how he's... Well, the two fullbacks. I mean, let's start there. Max Aarons and Dimi Yanoulis are, are transformed. They look like different players and, and so important and integral to this front foot, full throttle, aggressive, high-tempo high style of football that Wagner wants to play. Yet, and a little bit unfair to go back to it, but Dean Smith's first instruction to Max Aarons when he came in the door, and I know that was a Premier League survival fight, was I don't really want you going over the halfway line because we need to be a bit more solid. And and I guess essentially what this debate revolves around is the two vastly different ways that these, these coaches seemingly view the game and their, their own, then overlaying their own characters and personalities. Dean Smith said, quite honestly, he wasn't a Daniel Farker in terms of that effusiveness. And of course, that was always packaged as not getting on the pitch maybe at the end and acknowledging the fans. And that was always a little bit harsh because if that's not in your character, that's not in your character. But in terms of you look at the two men and how they've and how Wagner's already interacted with the fans using the messaging through obviously us and, and club media channels, it's night and day. And and how those messages, more importantly, are received. And, and because it all flows into this sense that, yeah, we can row in behind this guy. There's an energy... And there's a an intensity, and that Norwich are going to be proactive and force the pace, and not be, well, you know, it's going to be taught, it's almost Hutton esque. That's what it felt like under Dean Smith in terms of the challenge that, it, that every game is going to be tough, and um, if we can eat our way to results, all being well, we'll take it. But you know, don't expect us to romp through this division. I mean, nobody is clearly expecting Wagner to do that, but by the same token, you know, as David himself said on Friday. We respect every opponent, but there'll be no fear and we'll try and impose ourselves on them. I don't think we ever got that sense across the entirety of Dean Smith's tenure that Norwich were going to be that bullish. And and as a result, that inhibited, stunted performances that we got from him translated into ultimately him losing his job and Norwich being off the pace uh, and now having to repair it under a, a head coach who is certainly not going to die trying. He is going to get Norwich up and at them and um, and we'll see where it takes us. And in that regard, I know a lot of parallels are with the Farker era, but I even go back to a certain Scott who galvanised this club and took them from League One to the Premier League and kept them there. And that's Paul Lambert in terms of, we're here, you can deal with us, we're going to try and impose ourselves on you. And if you don't like it, tough, because we'll, we'll do what we want to do rather than this, you know, well, you know, if it turns out okay, then then hopefully that's 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 all well and good, and we we'll sort of we'll we'll roll along with it. No, it's going to be fifth gear all the way with this guy. And um, my only concern, and it's very long into the distance, is that you look what happened at Huddersfield, how it ended there. He kind of almost burnt himself out and, and ran himself into the ground because he'd invested so much into it. And how long can that style of management last? But you know, that said, if you got as he did at Huddersfield, a championship promotion win via the playoffs at Wembley and then kept a team in the Premier League, then we can worry about the what next because they'll have achieved the mission, which is to try and establish themselves in the in the Premier League. But that's long, long into the future. Right here, right now, he is the perfect 
individual, both as a character and as a coach, I think, for what this team badly needed and this football club and this fan base. Because, you know, as Sam alluded to it, it was it was only heading one way, and that was ranker recrimination and against the finances that were laid bare in the last set of accounts, some very, very difficult choices ahead if the, the football on the pitch continued to head in a downward spiral. And as I, as I keep wanting to stress, we're one game in. So, you know, let's not let's not say that this is now uh, mission achieved and everything's going to be rosy in the garden. It won't be, not from the position they're in. I've just looked at the table again. Yes, they're up onto the fringes of the playoffs, but there's teams below them, Millwall, Luton. They've got games in hand, so they could easily slip back down again. It will take a body of work over the remaining 19 league games. Um, and this is a very, very positive and encouraging step. But yeah, I think a lot of this comes down to, in terms of the, the difference between the two head coaches, it just comes down to one is seemingly an optimist and maybe maybe one has got too many miles in the clock and was a bit too bruised from his Villa experience and maybe with hindsight jumped back in a bit too quick and didn't give himself that time to reset, which will be interesting where he ends up and, how long it takes before he comes back in again in terms of Dean Smith. But, you know, whereas that felt a very tired end of an era feel, this feels optimistic, this feels bright, this feels positive. And, um, you know, long may it continue. Yeah, I know there's there's been a lot of focus on David Wagner and, and his energy. And you're right, there was a burnout at Huddersfield. I've, I've, I've actually been quite, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but I, I found him certainly when he's, when he's spoken, but but also how he's acted on, on the touchline. We kind of saw it to, to an extent yesterday as well. There's been a very considered side to him, which which maybe shows his development as a coach. I think at Huddersfield there was a there was so much that he put into it. It feels like maybe he has matured a bit more and has recognised the burnout. And obviously, whether again it's it's tough to tell after two weeks in the job, but whether that sustains or whether we do see him become a bit more emotional. We know he's an emotional coach by by trade is is a different is a different thing, but. I think he's been very considered. I mean, I mean, I tweeted this last night, but it would have been very easy for him to to take centre stage, to push past his players, and have that moment with with the fans to himself. He didn't. He hung back. He pushed the players. I mean, it was just it was very mature and maybe recognizing the situation that he'd walked into in in terms of this wedge between the fans and and the players in particular, but but also probably the club more broadly, uh, but also recognizing that there was probably a lack of confidence. So for them to have that moment to feel that appreciation felt very intelligent actually and emotionally intelligent from him um, and, and absolutely long may it, long may it continue and, and and Sam I mean you you spoke about how dominant it was I think what impressed me probably in Norwich's best spell of the game when, and they, as we said they were good throughout it but certainly that first 35 minutes where they essentially raced into a, a free goal lead um, there was a, a structure a style uh, a plan which well any any three or any one of those at, at any point in the season have been pretty hard to to see um, for various different reasons, but it just felt and, and of course it was four 0 so there is going to be a, an element of it where you go the opposition weren't great and Preston weren't great by any means, but they just completely looked lost in terms of grasping what Norwich City were trying to do. They didn't seem to get to grips with their plan at all until Ryan Lowe made that that double substitution. So again, that's for as much as we're praising the coaching and it is good coaching. The players have to take some some credit for that as well in terms of how quickly they've adapted to to what David Wagner is asking of them. Yes, definitely. And um, you know, you spoke about that moment how he sort of put the players in front of him, and I think David Wagner probably recognises that it's actually going to be quite easy for him to to force that connection with the fans because they've been crying out for something to happen. They've been crying out for a new head coach. They've got one, and it's him. It's not going to be difficult for him now, especially with a couple of wins under his belt, to create that relationship. And he probably recognised that actually the players are the constant between his regime and Dean Smith's and probably they need to actually forge that relationship a little bit better. But as you say, I think they have to take enormous credit for the performance because the biggest thing for me by by quite a long distance in football, as much as we talk about tactics and we try and analyse and we call for you know head coaches to, to change and, and we speak about their impact, technical quality will always be the, the large majority of whether you win football games. And I just thought there were so many more impressive individual performances yesterday than we've seen throughout the season. Um, I thought Dimitris Yunudis had perhaps his best game in a Norwich shirt. Max Ahrens hasn't reached those sort of levels probably since the 2018-19 campaign, in my view. Um, and then you've got you've got the likes of Gabriel Sara, who perhaps weren't even being praised, but there's just the the consistency throughout the team. They didn't have too many fives and sixes. It was almost 
consistently seven sevens, eights and nines across the board. And I felt that that really was the driver behind such a performance. I think the confidence that allowed them to do that probably is where you have to give David Wagner a little bit of of credit and the clarity of his system probably helped provide that confidence. Um, but, you know, you look at the number of players that were impressive. There aren't many that you could actually pick out and say you weren't impressed by their performance yesterday. So, yeah, I think they, they deserve enormous uh, enormous amounts of praise because they haven't got, got any for a really long time. Um, but I think you made the point uh, yesterday in your verdict that this is what opposition managers have been talking about the whole time. And it, it felt like a little bit of an easy cliche when every post-match press conference they were coming in and telling us that, you know, when they did well against Norwich, oh, it was a brilliant result because this is a Premier League team, etc. And it felt a little bit like that was quite lazy and and perhaps they were using that um, that national perception to heap praise on their own players. But now you can see why, sort of outside the Norwich City bubble, they're so highly rated because when the players can turn out performances like this, there are very few championship sides, if any, that will be able to stop them. So, yeah, enormous credit has to has to go to them. Um, but I think it's a a two-way thing where perhaps they wouldn't have the confidence to be able to produce the technical quality they did if they hadn't had David Wagner come in and provide such clarity. Yeah, players are a simple beast, I think. They and, and and to be fair, Alan Russell spoke about clarity and he used that he used that word quite a lot in the in the in the days that he had in charge of Norwich City and and spoke about the importance of it. And uh, I, I think we're we're seeing that now in terms of you have a system, you tell players what to do in that system, and actually you can get the play best out of players in that system. Um, just to go off on a tangent, I've just seen that Peter Andre uh, has done a, a rendition of Get Down on it, which uh, sounds absolutely superb to me. Uh, you could decide whether that's sarcasm or not, but that probably um, segues us nicely into Kieran Dow's performance, Pad, because I think, and, and we, we'll probably dissect the team now and, and, and go through individuals in, in this part of the pod and, and talk about the elements that, that they were very good. But actually, I think there were lots of eyebrows raised when that, that team news was, was announced on Saturday at two o'clock, uh, mainly probably around the goalkeeper position, which we'll come back to, but but also at Kieran Dow's inclusion because he has become quite... Um, yeah, he's, he's been a bit of an enigma, hasn't he, in, in, in recent times? There, there, I, I don't think anyone can doubt his quality. There's obviously maybe a point around consistency, I, I was certainly intrigued uh, to see how he would get on in a system that does require a lot of athleticism um, because that isn't his, his strong strongest element of his game. And I, and I think he'd be the first to admit that. But actually, uh, it, it was interesting what David Wagner said about him after the game. And, and obviously, you were in the room and, and you asked the question, A, what did you make of, of those comments that he made, but, but also of Kieran Dow's performance more regularly? Because, I mean, we we record live videos when the team news drops every week and every time Kieran Dow's in it, it feels like we ask ourselves the question of, oh, is this the opportunity for Kieran Dow? So I'm basically going to ask you that now. Could this actually be that opportunity? And what does he need to do to make sure it's not a false dawn? So I think there's three questions in there for, for you to answer. Feel free to, to palm one off to Sam if, if, you, uh, if you feel the need. Well, I mean, the answer is yes on all three. It is definitely an opportunity for him now. And um, what does he have to do? Well, funny enough, as you were speaking, yeah, I did ask him that and I've, I've got the quotes, I've transcribed them here. I'm just going to dip into them because this is from the mouth of, of David Wagner. Are you going to do a German accent? I won't do a German accent, no. I know, but um, I'll do a Coventry accent. But uh, <laughs> he basically he said, quote, I've worked with a few players with a similar characteristics to Kieran. He's a wonderful footballer, great touch, good vision, can play in tight spaces, long range passes, as well as good finishing. And boy, did we see that, you know, at Deep Dell. That first goal was a tremendous strike. Um, just the instinctiveness of it and the quality of that, the purity of that left foot hit. Um, but and I've had a clear conversation with him. Uh, but if he listens and if he tries to get on board and add the elements to his game, I want him to add, he will be a player on a different level. And this is what he has to learn, how important it is to defend and basically you work off the ball and, and almost get a sense of enjoyment from a tackle or that adding that intensity to your game, closing down. Um, you could feel in training he wanted to get on board, even though it's not going to be perfect. So there in a nutshell is is the challenge, but also the opportunity for Kieran Dow that David Wagner needs no convincing of what he can do in possession. And he underlined that, you know, with two goals and his all-round play. It's what he can do or what he needs to do to stay in a Wagner starting lineup, which has been the great imponderable all through his Norwich career, effectively, both Barker and Smith. He never has really consistently, bar 
that spell towards the end of the second title winning season under Farker when he kind of paired in tandem a little bit with Buendia and, and Cantwell. Uh, and feeding Pookie. But, you know, that was a team who were very much on the up and he was brought in almost as a finisher to close the deal. Um, this is a very different scenario. And as a result, I think David Wagner knows there's going to be some choppy waters ahead and there, and there will be times when they'll need those elements of a midfielder's craft. And, and he doesn't feel Kieran Dowell has got that or hasn't shown that in his career so far. Maybe nobody has really sat him down and said, you need to add these elements to your game. Um, maybe they felt it was enough to have him... And, and it's very harsh to label him a luxury player, but that's the the pigeonhole that these players get put into, but that you can put other players around them. Not not in a Wagner Norwich side. He will need to show both those elements to his game. And, you know, David Wagner then said, beyond the goals, actually what pleased him most was just before he took him off, that he, he put a thumping challenge in and cleared the ball straight into the stand, which you wouldn't think would be the highest part of the toolkit when you're discussing Kieran Dow, but under this head coach, if he wants to play and play regularly, he will. that is the challenge now for him. Go away, work on those elements of your game, take an enjoyment and a pleasure out of uh, maybe the stuff that isn't as eye-catching and won't, won't win you the headlines or the plaudits, um, but are essential because they all feed into what Wagner is trying to do with his team in and out of possession. So can he do it? Well, he, he's... he's put a very good marker down, but he needs to maintain it now. And that's the problem that previously, when he's got himself into the side, he's never been able to stay in the side. But you saw yesterday a player who can exert that influence on the ball, um, had the licence to drop into those central areas as well, where he can be really effective. It wasn't just play on the right-hand side in front of Max Aarons. It was get yourself wherever the ball goes and and affect the game. But that means under Wagner affecting the game out of possession as much as in possession. So the challenge is there. He's clearly made a, f- a favourable impression. He needs to crack on now and uh, and add that element to his game. And then Wagner's right. If he can add that element to his game, he's too good for the championship. Um, because this ultimately, the pedigree of this player is somebody who came through uh, Everton's academy and was part of an England World Cup youth winning squad with some very, very... Um, high-class contemporaries. He His career hasn't hit those heights, but he's still just about young enough. I think he's 25, 26. I think I'm right saying off the top of my head. His best years should be ahead of him, but it needs to happen. It needs to happen pretty quickly. Yes, I was Googling Kieran Dow's age there, sorry, um, which I don't actually have now in front of me because you, you stopped the answer a bit short of what I was expecting, but that's fine. I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll, get, I'll fill until I can get it up. Uh, 25, yes. So it's uh, still plenty of of his best years ahead of him. And actually, we've we've had uh, we've asked for some questions via Twitter. And of course, you can always send in your your questions for the podcast. You can email them in. You can uh, Twitter them in. Facebook them in. Um, TikTok them in. We're on there, aren't we? We're we're, we're across all of it. Um, so, so do get a question in if you have one. Matthew McGregor has Connor, done that. Connor, on Twitter. Connor, that's where you're going to do your Kieran Dow tune on TikTok, isn't it? On the pink and TikTok. I tell you what, if if Norwich get to Wembley and he scores the winner in the playoff final, I'll do a rendition of it. How about that? There we go. go. We've heard it all now. That you're being held to that, my man. Yeah, you can you can hold me to that. Only if he scores the winner, though. But uh, Matthew McGregor has uh, has has replied to to the tweet asking for questions. Uh, So I'll throw this one at you, uh, you Sam. He said, uh, "What what did you make of uh, the debut of our new signing, Kieran Dow? Not to get ahead of ourselves, given he's only just arrived, but it seems like the lad could really do a job." Yeah, so it's, uh, it's definitely uh, it's the same sort of feeling as perhaps you get from a, a new signing. Um, it's, I don't want to get into too much cliche territory of saying, you know, like uh, a new signing, yeah, exactly. like a new signing, exactly. Um, because uh, to be fair to him, I think he has shown those attributes before. Perhaps it was more in a a Daniel Farker system that was actually built around allowing players like him to do things like that, and perhaps there wasn't as much of a necessity for him to be producing the aggressive side. So that's what makes it stand out for me is the the fact that he was able to produce at the end of the pitch, which he probably prefers, and do the things which we were used to seeing, seeing him do when he's at his best, as well as combining that with the, the slightly more physical side. I actually thought his pressing was, was quite good yesterday. And he's probably somebody who, with his contract out in the summer, realises that his career could go one of, one of two ways here. And he could end up in the Premier League with Norwich City as a key player if he can sort those aspects that Wagner wants him to improve upon or he could be an out of contract championship player sort of um, looking around the the also runs of the second division trying to to find the next club to take him on and perhaps even 
um, see the same frustrating career path at those clubs uh, that, that he has at Norwich. Um, but he's a player that I think has shown his talent before. You can definitely see, and you could see from even his per- first preseason why Norwich felt that he was a, a good enough gamble. I think for the price they paid, you could see what they were going for. And it was actually a, a fantastic deal in my view. Um, but yeah, I see him contributing significantly to this group in future if he if he can. But it's also interesting that in Wagner's first real strong, good performance that everybody's elated with, Kieran Dowell, who perhaps is the least the player you would have said when Wagner came in was least likely to adapt to his methods well, was actually perhaps the key player. Um, so you know you've got to got to praise him for that and recognizing the technical ability that he has if he can produce that he has to play a part in this this Norwich City team um, and they've had enough frustration in creative areas they've had Todd Cantwell who won't play for Norwich City again they've had Aaron Ramsey return to Aston Villa I think Kieran Dowell unless Denelson Arnie manages to somehow pull a consistency out of a bag that he's never shown in his career and the same with Ono Hernandez unless one of those two steps up quite a lot of the hopes are pinned on Kieran Dowell and his ability to 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 create chances and to to feed the likes of Tamer Pookie. But I think when he's got that confidence behind him, he's shown with runs of form throughout his career. There was that one at the end of Norwich's last championship um, title win that, he's, you know, like, I think it was 10 games or so, he was possibly even Norwich's best player. And then going back across the rest of his career, there were times at Nottingham Forest that he really went on on runs and in five, six, seven, eight games, he would prove what sort of player he can be. So I think he's shown that he can be a confidence player and hopefully that's a good sign from here because that certainly would have provided him with a boost. And in a game against Coventry on Saturday, which with all due respect to to, uh, the Sky Blues and any fans on this podcast, um, I think that's a game that Dow will probably be looking at and thinking with momentum behind him, he can probably start to build that a little bit. It's not like as soon as they've won that, that game against Preston and as soon as they put in a, an impressive performance they've got a, a Burnley or a Sheffield United to then come up against they have a very winnable game and I think he'll see the opportunity to, to build momentum and if he can then he can be a, a massive player for Norwich for the rest of the season I'm actually going to bounce it back to you Sam because uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you about Kenny McLean and you've, you've been like a muzzled <laughs> dog waiting to be unleashed this season to, to give him some some credit and some praise uh, I spoke to him after the game actually very good as, as as he always is on on various elements but but specifically around that new role which I'm kind of labeling the quarterback role um, people you know you can disagree with that or whatever but it's it's kind of a similar way he, he's kind of a key part of Norwich City's build-up drops in and, and kind of creates a, a back three with, with the two centre-backs. It's a, a really tactically interesting role, but one that he's 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 playing with real maturity and real quality, actually. I mean, some of the balls he played, particularly in the first half yesterday, was uh, Andrea Pirlo-esque, um, which I think we've, 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 we've all been waiting to see. But, I mean, it, it does feel like a brand of football that is particularly suited to the way he wants to play. He's a high-octane player. He wants to press. He's full of energy. Do you think he's found a coach now that can really get the best out of him? And uh, and are we beginning to see that under David Wagner? Because it wasn't just this week. He was also probably Norwich City's best player in their FA Cup game against Blackburn last week as well. Yeah, I think so. And as much as we label him with those sort of energetic, hardworking labels, I'm sure he'll be pleased that he's now getting to show to, to show a slightly more technical side of his game. Because if I was a footballer, I would imagine if I was... a uh, picking up a newspaper and, and finding out that people were were praising me for my energy, I think I would be slightly disappointed. So I think he's probably a player who will be excited to to play this new role and to show a, an aspect of his game that perhaps he hasn't so much at Norwich. But I also think as much as it feels like a new role, that was pretty much what he was doing under Daniel Farker in the 2020-21 season. It was often him dropping alongside um, Grant Hanley and Ben Gibson. Uh, it was either him or Ollie Skip lot of the time so I think it's a role that he's actually proven he can play before albeit in different circumstances but you saw all the positive sides of his game really Um, yesterday there were some good technical bits I can't remember too many times where he gave the ball away despite being trusted to make those longer forward passes Um, and there was also the running that we've become used to I think he probably will be disappointed he didn't produce more end product at the end but there was one where he seized on the ball just inside the Preston half and, and drove right to the edge of the box. And then his shot was uh, straight at Freddie Woodman, unfortunately. But he's a, 
an all-rounder is how I'd describe him and how I'm sure most people that have ever watched him would describe him. And that's the sort of player who probably does get scapegoated a little bit. And I think most Norwich fans would actually admit that that's the role he's played at times this season. Um, because you can't necessarily point to too many goals he's scored or assists he's made or fantastic dribbles and flicks. But there were all the elements yesterday. There was that running I spoke about. There was that hard work. There was that tactical understanding that I think head coaches probably appreciate massively and we don't speak about enough because the ability to adapt that role so quickly from where he'd been pretty much a, a defensive midfielder under Dean Smith to then coming in and, and being a ball player within a couple of weeks, uh, you have to recognise the tactical flexibility and intelligence to be able to do that. But there was also a little bit of flair. Um, I actually forgot until I watched the highlights again this morning, but it was a nice little back heel. It was almost Daniel Farker-esque in the... the risk he took in his own box to backheel it into Max Aarons before he played that long pass over to Tamer Cookie for the fourth goal. And I think there are certain elements of his play that, that are really underrated and that probably will, will start to show themselves in this quarterback role, as you describe it. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, I wanted to give some honourable mentions as well. So honourable mentions to Max Aarons, Dimi Yanoulis. Uh, we could probably list quite a few others, but we're, we're not going to have the time to go into all of them in detail. One that I, I did want to go in detail with, though, Pad, was was Temu Puki because he's someone who has had a little bit of... Uh, maybe maybe criticism is, is maybe a bit strong, but certainly there's been some some doubts cast upon whether he's still the same player, whether he still has the same quality, whether he's still capable to to maybe rack up the goals in, in, in the same way as he has in, in seasons gone by. And, and that's kind of persisted throughout this season. There's been some talk from some about Josh Sargent actually replacing him as as Norwich City's um, kind of figurehead, I suppose. Obviously, David Wagner has maybe found a solution to that in terms of playing two up there. Uh, yesterday, obviously, uh, scored, a, scored a brace. That takes him to 10 for the season. He's now scored 10 goals in every single season, or at least 10 goals in every single season that he's had as a Norwich City player. Only four players this season have scored more than him. Carlton Morris, uh, Victor uh, Gikarez at Coventry, Oscar Estepinian and Tuba Akpom. Only one player has more goal contributions, so that's kind of goals and assists. And that's uh, Emilian uh, Ndai, who, of course, is at Sheffield United. And I believe there's only... Uh, three players who have uh, more assists than him. Temu Puki has six, Ryan Giles, Daniel Barleza, and they have seven. Um, I mean, the pretty when you, when you put it in the context of how limited his service has been at Norwich City this season, for him still to be the top scorer at the club, for him to now have hit double figures, for him to have um, basically had only 10 games where he hasn't produced a goal contribution for Norwich City this year, I mean, I know we kind of use a lot of uh, a lot of superlatives around Temu Puki, but that's pretty staggering, isn't it? Well, the fast set that stands out for me is in a in a Dean Smith setup where, again, going back to the previous point I made about pieces of the jigsaw are not configuring them in the right way. Um, he he wasn't in a team that played to his strengths fundamentally, uh, and this endless debate that then sprung up about Sergeant or him. Um, almost masked that, you know, the levels of service that he needed and the quality of service just by and large was absent. So to have produced those numbers um, is a testament to him as an individual, really, that he's almost powered through and just got his head down. But, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt, much like Norwich's performance was night and day, you could say the same about him and, and just the, the the sense that he gave on the pitch, that he was how much he was enjoying himself and... Uh, almost clicking back into a familiar, you know, groove um, underlined for me by the third goal, which wasn't actually one that he he scored himself, but that channel run that you know a certain Argentinian used to find him with regularity. You know, this time it was Josh Sargent to underline the point about the two of them can play in those central areas with Sargent slightly deeper, um, but then just the awareness to draw the keeper, know where Dahl was, and and, and essentially it's a tap in. Um, no, there's no, there's no sense that, that this is a player whose powers are dramatically waning. I don't think he's the, the pookie of previous championship seasons. Why would he be? You know, he's 32, he's 33 in March. Uh, there will be a slowing down in it, his physical uh, abilities um, and his athleticism. That's that's natural. But by no manner of means is he ready to be consigned to the, the footballing retirement home. He has got lots of football still in him and in this team with the right support, both in terms of service, but the most 
impressive facet for me overall yesterday was the amount of yellow shirts that Norwich were committing to the box, you know, four and five all the time. Look at the goals they scored in that first half. How many yellow shirts are in that box? If you're Team Upuki, what a difference that makes in terms of being able to find pockets of space, escape detection, because there's other players to occupy defenders. We saw it for the first goal. Um, you know, you contrast that many games where he was the only player in the box when balls would get it put in there and, and totally outnumbered. It's, um, you know, give give him the environment, which is what I would say about his entire Norwich career, give him the environment to flourish and he will deliver. He's a proven goal scorer. He's shown that beyond doubt now in a Norwich shirt. He hasn't had that environment thus far. Um, I think he'll get it from here on in. And if he stays fit, stays healthy, um, I think we may be closing in on 100 goals uh, for the club and and Ewan Roberts probably wants to be a little bit worried as Hooks pointed out to him on social media because I think I think he probably will get there if he stays healthy in this side with a team who are configured to create the chances that he absolutely devours. Yeah, I can completely agree and it, it it's good. I mean if he gets to 100 um it's uh, a that's an incredible achievement but but B, it probably raises the point as as to whether he's he's the best striker that that Norwich City have ever had. It would be very difficult to to create an argument that that he isn't. Um, I, I I still find it absolutely remarkable that he's a, a Championship player, but but that probably owed more to his age and situation than than, than anything else. Um, and, and and so Pat, I mean Pat, I'll bounce this back to you because we we were we were doing the the, the team news video as I said, uh, where we were both very positive about the inclusion of Kieran Dowling, in no way proven wrong whatsoever so that was good uh but <laughs> shows how much we know uh but but also there, there was a lot of debate around the goalkeeping position obviously uh david wagner preferred tim cruel to to angus gun um i i still can't really get my head around why that was the case i mean you you put it to him after the game and he he spoke about a feeling and uh, and that's fine that that's his decision and to be fair to Tim Crawl, he made two absolutely wonderful saves in the second half that that kept Norwich at three 0 And and if he wouldn't have made those saves, maybe he would have made the the pendulum swing in in the other direction. Um, and I don't think it's it's a criticism or a slight on Tim Crawl to to suggest that it was a, a bit of a, an interesting, maybe somewhat confusing decision. I think that's that's more a credit to what Angus Gunn has achieved this season. Um, I guess that, that that's probably the obvious question. Do, do you feel that Tim Krull did enough to warrant his, his inclusion? Do you think David Wagner will have seen enough to maybe convince him to to stick with him in, in the weeks ahead? Well, the first thing I'd say is we'll forget swiftly about that pre-match video because we also went on to then forecast a very tricky, drawn affair, I think. I think, And to be honest, Con, I think you were edging towards it might be a defeat. But you oh, came, no, I was. I was. You came onto the I fence was. with me and both of us were, were could not be more wrong. So that... Yeah, the less said about that broadcast, the better. Um, in terms of any insight or or anything of, of any inspired, note. it was inspired reverse yeah, psychology. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's why we're sat outside in the stands watching, uh, and David Wagner's making the calls. But to move it on now to Cruel, did he did he merit his place in the side? I still would stand by it. I don't think he did merit his place on the in the side because of Gunn's body of work in a very difficult situation this season. Um, I might be might be trying to second guess Norwich's fan base, but if if the Player of the Year voting was right here right now, I think he'd certainly be in the top three. And you know, it'd be you'd be more 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 than in your rights to construct an argument. He would have probably been the, the standout player, albeit in a very trying uh, season thus far. But that's all by the by. As, as David Wagner talked about when he was talking about Kieran Dow, but it applies equally. You know, what's gone in the past is in the past. This is a clean slate under a new head coach who has no preconceived ideas on these players, hasn't worked, I don't think, with with any of these players before. Um, and on the basis of what he'd seen, and, and as you said, more or less a hunch or a feeling, felt Tim Krull in that game um, was the option. Thereafter, did he justify his inclusion? Absolutely, yeah. There was only one slight aberration where he tried to chip a ball out to Max Aarons in the first half and didn't get enough loft on it. And Tom Cannon brought it down, but they got the numbers around him. But um, but the two saves early in the second half, maybe not pivotal in terms of the final outcome as they were 3-0 up at that stage, but in terms of the mood and how uncomfortable that second half may have become, the second one bit in particular, and you saw the way he, he celebrated. It was like he'd scored a goal. That was big for him because there's no doubt he's an experienced player. If you sat him down privately, he probably knows that Angus Gunn is as much as it's his rival, has, has done very well and has deserved to retain his place. But 
ultimately, you're Tim Krull, you don't pick the side. David Wagner says, you're in, you're in. And then it's up to you to keep Angus Gunn out. And on that performance, I think we'd all expect him to be in goal now for, for the Coventry game. It's tough on Angus, but ultimately, David Wagner gets paid to make the big calls without the benefit of hindsight. He got every single one right yesterday. So, credit to him, credit to Tim Krull. Yeah, clean sheet as well, which was uh, as good for, for Norwich City's defensive setup, which has been pretty error-prone in, in, in recent weeks as well. Um, so, But no, really pleased for, for Tim Krull because it, it did feel like, and again, it wasn't of his own making, but it felt like he, he suddenly had a lot of pressure on his shoulders to, to produce a performance. And actually, the, the two saves that, that we referenced were pretty impressive. Obviously, still some some issues maybe with distribution to be, to be ironed out, um, and, and they've kind of always existed. But as a character, as a leader, as someone that, that Norwich City have, have relied on constantly since he's been at the club, it's very rare that he's he's let them down um, in, in such a in such a big way. So um, it's a nice debate, a nice conversation, a nice choice for for David Wagner to be having. Obviously, the long term implications of that is, is probably a debate for another day. And um, finally, on 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 this game, then Sam, um, I, I'll kind of throw you the same question that, that I threw Pad right at the start: Is this sustainable? Is this natural given the the kind of freshness and uh, of it all i mean is this now a, a level of performance that you can see being sustained in in the weeks ahead and, and and is it is this positivity i suppose something that that can continue I, i'm asking you kind of to look into your crystal ball a little bit but as paddy said it there does feel something different about particularly the last sort of two weeks or so and and, and just the mood I, I would even sort of put that to the players in, in terms of it was a very enjoyable and I actually put this question to Kenny McLean after after the game yesterday very enjoyable brand of football to watch but it also looked like a really enjoyable style of football to play there were a lot of players who kind of looked unleashed and and, and kind of like they've been let off the shackles to an extent I guess probably the fullbacks are maybe the the best example of that yeah I'm not sure they'll be able to keep up quite that level of performance every week going to an away ground and winning 4-0 in the championship but you look at Alex Neal's Norwich City side and they they took that momentum right from when he came in and that 2-1 win against Bournemouth and they basically took it all the way to the playoff final and championship promotion. And you look at that and it probably wasn't as well structured as David Wagner's system is and it probably didn't have all those safeguards against what could possibly go wrong. So I think it's definitely something they can sustain. The quality of the the players and the group make that quite a lot easier um, for David Wagner to sustain. I wouldn't get ahead of myself and I'd highlight certain, if not great, good performances under Dean Smith at times. Uh, and there is always that that consideration of perhaps it being the new manager coming in and that motivating the players a little bit. But I feel confident from watching it that it was the sort of performance you can reproduce. It wasn't a, a lucky win. You could see exactly what they were trying to do and you could see how they were managing to to unpick the Preston defence. And you could see how those players would be capable of, of reproducing that and how they fit the system very well. So the good the signs for me are good um, to start off with, but you look at how much things can change uh, in the Championship and they could go and, and concede an unlucky penalty at Coventry and go 1-0 behind um, you know, in the first three minutes and then that totally changes the game plan. So... It's not necessarily a case of it going well the first time and therefore it will for the rest of the season. But what I'd say is David Wagner is a proper coach. He's not just relying on his his new manager bounce or on his changing of the mood around the football club to produce these results. I think he's a good enough coach to be able to reproduce them tactically week in, week out. And they won't win every game from now until the end of the season. It won't be that easy. But the signs are definitely there of something that can be reproduced. And I was encouraged with almost every aspect of that game yesterday. So I personally am feeling a lot more positive about Norwich City's promotion credentials than I was even right before that game. And I'm sure Norwich City fans are as well. So yeah, the only way is up from here, hopefully. And uh, yeah, it looks like something they can reproduce for me. Belief. It's been a word that's been in short supply so far this season. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that continues. And of course, uh, Norwich City are being sent to Coventry next week, so we'll be able to to see what uh, see what is produced there. Uh, and um, we may we, we may well get a question on that front in a minute as we uh, as we look to, to some of the, the other questions that we've had. First and foremost, uh, a question from uh, from Sophie on Twitter. So thank you very much for 
the question. Um, she has asked, so I'll throw this, uh, this is probably one for all of us to answer. She said, what was your personal highlight of the trip to Deepdale? Um, Pad, I'll go for you first. What was your what was your highlight of what was a glorious weekend in the Northwest? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we don't, I don't know. There's an unwritten rule about cuisine on these trips because obviously it's all work goes without saying so we don't have time well, to be fair, i think we can talk about cuisine that we purchased if that's the route you're going down yeah, no no i just think in personal highlight you know you know there was there was some nice food consumed so so that that might be but but that's not why we're there so i'm thinking of a personal football in highlight then it's well i mean you could say the overall performance but if you're going to drill it down a little bit i just i just love the the, the third goal basically just the, the cohesiveness to start from crawl Yanulis, I mean, even that in microcosm is is what Wagner has brought. That you know, certain other head coaches might think, "What is my left back doing um, just outside our own box?" Our own box, effectively squaring up his marker and going around him on the outside because he gets that wrong, then that individual is closing in on Tim Krul and having a shot. So it's high tariff stuff. But having done that, um, to then feed it inside to Sargent, the brilliant link up with Puki, and then Puki the awareness and composure for Dal to sense that opportunity. I mean, it was just training ground stuff, but in the heat of a, a championship game where there's so much at stake now for this Norwich team this season, uh, almost just off the cuff. And it's not off the cuff. There's a lot of work going into that clearly already at this stage, you can see, but just the, the license and the freedom and the enjoyment in that goal, um, probably contrasted with the drudge we've had to sort of all sort of, work through and, and endure uh it was just an uplifting piece of football from Norwich City and um yeah so that would be my personal brackets football highlight Sam um yeah I think the the food is up there but there's uh there's nothing quite like being able to give you to a told you so look every time Kenny McLean or Kieran Dow does something good so that's uh something I always enjoy doing and there were quite a lot of them yesterday actually so uh yeah, hopefully there's many more of them. Although I, I get the sense he's, that they're both turning the tide um, from both of your point of view. So it might not be so easy for me. I might have to look on it with hindsight now every week and remind you that I was a Kenny fan before anybody else. Um, but yeah, that was that was probably my own personal highlight if we're foregoing the, the food as Paddy did. Well, can I just say I've always been a Kenny McLean fan, but no one, I, I haven't met quite a Kenny McLean fan quite like you, Sam. So um, that, that you can take that as a compliment or you can take that as uh, <laughs> however you like. So so there we go. Um a compliment for me. Pad, I mean, you, you nearly got stuck in Deepdale. You, you were you were the personal last in with the cleaners. Kind of personal highlight. My you personal, well, yeah. I was, I was going to praise Co- uh, Pre- Coventry. Pre- we're going to come on to Coventry. Well, there's, no, Preston, there's no issue with that. You should be praising Coventry. <laughs> I was <laughs> praise Preston's general setup um, because it was, uh, for, from our perspective, everything was was very spot on. So I wanted to give uh, Preston for their off-field uh, stuff, and the staff are always very nice when we go there as well. So uh, that was my personal highlight: the general hospitality and warm welcome that we received in Lancashire. Um, uh, but I was going to ask you, Paddy, about nearly getting stuck stuck in the ground, which you uh, you nearly managed to do with with uh, with Adam post match. Yeah, no, that was eventful. Just to paint the scene, we, we've got where we sit in the stand is it's kind of to draw a parallel with Norwich. It's like we're sat in the back of the south stand, and the media at Preston is basically all the way round where the snake pit is, essentially. So you have to get yourself around there. Um, they have a little executive box where the managers were brought to and then obviously they depart and, and we start the process of producing content. Uh, but I think me and Adam were the last media in that space and looking out through the glass, the, the pitch, well, it wasn't, the stadium itself was in darkness by that stage, but the, they had the, those lights on the pitch to start recovering the grass, but uh, that was the only sort of signs of life, uh, literally. Um, we tried going back around to the South Stand equivalent, couldn't get it. All the doors and shutters have been closed there. I think you two had already departed by then. Uh, we're getting on for that stage, sort of quarter to seven in the evening. Um, okay, we'll go back round to where we've just come from, uh, which we did. So, you, again, it's a bit of a walk. Uh, in through the doors, in through the room we went into, out into that, that uh, corridor in that stand, took the right-hand direction, went all the way down two, two three floors, stairwell, um, 
nothing, couldn't get out. So I had to come back out again. Uh, it's now about seven o'clock and we're thinking we might be in for the night, uh, which wouldn't have been the dream, to be fair, much as I'd enjoyed my afternoon at Deepdale. Thankfully, uh, in that stand, we saw some cleaners and, and lights and we headed towards it, basically the opposite end and down the stairwell through an emergency double doors and, and freedom. But uh, yeah, so that wouldn't have been the the, the the postscript to that day. I don't think I'm thinking now off the top of my head, have I ever been trapped inside the ground? I don't think it's quite got as bad as where we had to clamber out by hook or by crook. But uh, yeah, that was getting a bit concerning, I must confess, because we must have been at it for about 25 minutes trying to find an exit route. Yes, yeah, and I, I, me and Sam were waiting uh, outside the car that you had the keys for as well. So that was uh, yes. that was in, in the rain. Um, and, so Sam, was... and Sam had his suitcase in said car. Um, to finish the story, you maybe you jump in here, Sam. But yeah, well, you lot were, were kind enough to uh, atone for your error and give me a lift to Preston train station. But I did, I did. There was a moment of realization actually where I thought I was just sort of waiting around to say good work, chap. See you later. And then I thought, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'll just ask Connor for the keys. And he said, I don't have the keys. And I thought, oh, I'm, uh, I could be quite stuck here. But yeah, managed to get on the train uh, in time. Obviously delayed at, at some point in the journey. But uh, yeah, arrived home safe and sound. So in the end, uh, yeah, chalk it up to a learning experience. And maybe we'll get out of away grounds uh, when, they, when they actually kick us out in future. I, I love the idea that you thought that we were just standing together near the car and you thought that I was just doing that with the keys in my pocket, which is uh, which, <laughs> which is quite nice. Anyway, uh, last point, we're, we're rapidly running out of time. And so, Pad, I, I'm going to throw this in your direction because lots of Norwich City fans will be making the trip to Coventry uh, for them next weekend. Uh, and a lot of them will be hoping to explore the city. Is it the city? It is the city of culture, isn't it? So, um, Adam I'm not, Harvey... I'm not, are, sure if, I'm not sure if it is anymore. Yeah, I've lost oh, track of it. I think it was. Yeah. The once city of culture, along with Hull. So I'll let our listeners um, come to the conclusions on that. Uh, but Adam has uh, asked, what's the best landmark in, in Coventry? So luckily we've got a, a, a Cov resident here to, to tell us about all the places that you'll be able to explore before next weekend's uh, 12.30 kickoff. So you, you, you've got to think it's morning time, Pad. What's the best things to do in Coventry, uh, obviously apart from leave it, that people might want to do in the in the morning before the, the game? I'll ignore that. Uh I, I haven't checked, so I can't. I'll have to caveat this with you'll need to get onto you know uh, Google and double check opening times. But I, I think it would be remiss not to check out the Transport Museum if you are in Coventry, which is which is world renowned. I might add, uh, such as the heritage of that great city. So, uh, but to be fair, the, the configuration of where most Norwich fans I'd imagine would come up sort of from Norfolk area at least A14 M6. You can actually just come off the junction, everybody who's been to formerly the Rico, now the Coventry Building Society Arena. It's essentially off uh, a junction of the M6 down to a roundabout, and there it is. So you never actually physically have to go into the city that is Coventry, really. So I'd probably advise them just to enjoy the game and then get back in their cars and head back to Norfolk. But uh, if they were minded after the game, because it is an early kickoff after all, then there's plenty to see and do. We We'd need at least three hours added onto this pod for me to go through all the cultural highlights of uh, the, the Motor City. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, if you want one, uh, tr- try out the Transport Museum and let me know how you get on and uh, and let them know I sent you. You might get a bit of a discount. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. A Transport Museum. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if, if people are that way inclined, I'm like, sure it's thrilling. Listen, any, any school-aged child in Coventry will have been, on a, been taken to a school trip to the Transport Museum. So it's... Pu- part of growing up there you know you you get to see everything from penny farthings to land speed record sort of cars it's uh yeah it's yeah i'm not i'm no motorhead i don't want to dismiss that illusion but uh you would find it very informative let me tell you Sounds absolutely riveting. I'm sure people yeah. will will explore it with with great joy next weekend. I mean, you're you're obviously going to be sat. Well, Adam, in the Adam's going. Obviously, Adam's going because he's mad keen on it. He's he's even asked him to go to. Transport that museum. Is, so if that's that where you boys want to go. That's where we'll go. Oh yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, you'll of course be sat in the press box with a half and half scarf, so uh, you'll have to remain diplomatic. Obviously, hoping for a draw. So anyone who watches the team news video uh, next weekend will will see Paddy predict. I'm sure a, a one one or a two two. Um, we'll see. Although to be fair, I have uh, sat next. Oh, well, it was it was in COVID times. So I sat a few seats along to you the last time that Norwich played Cov in uh, 
that was at Carrow Road, and they scored a relatively. Yeah, was that the, uh, the league? Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, league, yeah. and they scored a relatively late goal, and you managed to keep yourself uh, relatively. Com- I actually think you were quite frustrated because of various uh, technical copy reasons that I won't get into for for people listening to this podcast. Anyway, that seems like a nice place to leave it. To Coventry, we go with uh, plenty of optimism and belief. Hopefully, uh, this time next week, we are talking about an equally good performance from David Wagner's side. Paddy, Sam, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Uh, very much for listening. Wagner's at the wheel, uh, all aboard. <laughs> <laughs>